Good morning. Welcome to our recording. This is for August 9, 2020. These sermons are brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas, and I'm Warren Berkeley. May I ask you to have your Bible open? I'm going to take us to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. I'll have something to say about the context of the Hebrew epistle. Then we will let the text inform and enrich our knowledge of Jesus Christ. And as knowledge is increased and reviewed, may it be that our personal loyalty to him becomes stronger. Christians have a high priest seated at the right hand of God, and what we have through him is better than the old covenant. We'll read from Hebrews chapter 8 in just a moment. This book or epistle in the New Testament has a background that is obvious when we read the book against the setting of New Testament history. There were Christians who had previous experience with the religion of Judaism and the Old Covenant. Perhaps some had followed the Old Covenant as it is written Many Jews we know in the time of Christ and the apostles followed the human traditions attached to the Old Covenant by men. Nevertheless, before becoming Christians, their national and cultural experience was with the religion of Judaism. Now, they are Christians. They left Judaism when they were baptized into Christ. In many cases, it wasn't an easy transition. The transition from Judaism to being a disciple of Christ was certainly right, but it was very hard. Then, when persecution came against them from their own countrymen, the difficulty increased. There was insidious temptation to go back into Judaism. The inspired writer is calling them to be faithful to Jesus Christ, to embrace the new covenant and not neglect the great salvation God's grace provides through Jesus Christ. Now, these people of Jewish background were familiar with the priesthood they grew up with that was part of the old covenant, and you can read about this in the Old Testament. Here in chapter 8 of Hebrews, the writer wants them to understand Jesus is our high priest. There are no men on earth who can afford you access to God. Not a single man or group of men who can duplicate or be a substitute for the priesthood of Jesus Christ. This is affirmed before Hebrews chapter 8, but here in chapter 8, the writer summarizes previous arguments and makes his primary point. I want us to listen now to Hebrews chapter 8, and then I'll use some time to make this truth ours today. I'm reading now from Hebrews chapter 8. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up not man, 
for every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all. Since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law, they serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. Let me pause here to remind us that the next few verses we're going to read are from Jeremiah chapter 31. The Hebrew writer is citing this passage from Jeremiah 31 from the Old Testament. It was a prophecy of the new covenant. I'm continuing at verse 8. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete, and what is becoming obsolete is growing old and ready to vanish away. All right, our question is, what does this chapter tell us about Jesus Christ? I believe there is truth here we need to understand and cherish. What does this chapter tell us about Jesus Christ, how can this truth strengthen our will to love and obey Him? Number one, this passage tells us that His office is high priest. The inspired writer is saying to Christians here, we have such a high priest. If the original readers of this grew up in the Jewish religion based on the Old Covenant, they would never forget the office of high priest. They knew what this meant. Those men were visible leaders in that previous religion and dispensation. They were qualified by their bloodline, served under extremely rigid rules, and the people relied on their mediation. It was their access to God. 
It may be an oversimplification, but contains truth for me to say to you, the prophets served God to deliver his message to the people. The priest served the Jewish people to provide their access to God. This part of the truth about who Jesus is needed special emphasis at the time the Hebrew writer sent this letter for those Christians who grew up with the human priest. As these new Christians became objects of pressure and persecution, it was necessary to emphasize this office that Jesus now filled. Now, as Christians, they had a perfect, singular high priest in heaven who fulfilled prophecy and was superior to the old system. Those who remain loyal to the old covenant no doubt urged these Christians to come back to resume their participation and dependence on the high priest to leave Christ. The writer is saying, no, don't do that. Wait a minute. Don't go back. And his argument is, we have such a high priest, and he is Jesus Christ. This affirmation begins before Hebrews chapter 8. Back in chapter 3 and verse 1, Jesus is the high priest of our confession. Listen to this in chapter 4 of Hebrews 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who is passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Then we arrive here in chapter 8, and all this previous instruction is brought to a summary statement. The point is this. We have such a high priest. Do you need, do you desire access to God? Do you want to be a child of God, have a relationship with God, serve and obey God, and be with Him in heaven eternally? Jesus Christ is the only way, the only access. We have such a high priest. There was a succession of high priests during the Old Covenant. Those men served and then died and were replaced. Jesus arose from the dead, never to die again. He never has to be replaced. He has an enduring life. He will outlive any adversaries. He is there for his people, appointed by God, and serving perfectly and constantly. Thank God for the access you have through Jesus Christ, Christians. And don't let anyone or anything take you away from that access to the Father. Number two, his location is at the right hand of God. In chapter 8, verse 1, Hebrews 8, verse 1, our text, he is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. So if the question ever comes up, where is Jesus? 
This is the answer. At the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. I want you to listen to how the book of Hebrews begins. I'm back in Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3. Listen to this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus came here, lived here, died here, but God raised him from the dead, and he ascended to the right hand of God in heaven. Jesus knows what's happening here perfectly. He is with his people spiritually. He said, I will be with you always, but his location is in heaven at the right hand of God. Do we realize, do we realize not one Old Testament priest could ever say this? Not one. Jesus is there in heaven with God to deal directly with God the Father for us, his people. There are no bulls and goats and sheep on altars, no physical tabernacle there. This is new covenant reality we're looking at in Hebrews 8. Jesus died for us, then was raised, and he ascended to the right hand of God. He is there now, and he's there forever according to Hebrews 7, verse 17. Not only is there no promise or statement of Jesus coming back to the earth to stay, verse 4 says he could not be a high priest on earth. He was not appointed by virtue of genealogy or tribe. God had established a unique priesthood out of Melchizedek. You can read about that in Genesis and Psalms. Jesus was of the tribe of Judah. He could not be a high priest on earth. No, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, and this fulfills what had been said of the Messiah in passages like Zechariah 6, verse 13, and Psalms 110, that he would sit and rule on his throne. Jesus is there for his people. And that brings me to this. Number three, his function is to minister. Verse two, a minister in the holy places. The word minister and a popular form of it, ministry, is used a lot in modern religious practice. You may think of the word minister as a preacher. Often today, people form groups or projects and they attach the word ministry to it. You should not drag those contemporary ideas into Hebrews 8. This term derives from the work or service of a priest, and this is about the work of Jesus as our high priest in heaven. Well, what work is Jesus doing for us now in heaven? His death was once for all, a once for all event, Hebrews 9.28, 
The question remains, what work is Jesus doing for us now in heaven? And the answer is back in Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. You remember that? Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When Christians, people who hold fast their confession, when we are in time of need, what do we do? We approach God through Jesus Christ. That's his ministry. He is at work for us. Likewise, Hebrews 7.25, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. That's his ministry, his work. Jesus came to serve us, and he continues to serve us in heaven. And about that, there is no question. And did you hear in Hebrews 4, without sin. Because he is sinless, he doesn't have to offer a sacrifice for himself, like those old priests in the previous dispensation. Back in chapter 7, verse 27, it says he has no need, like those high priests under the old covenant, to offer sacrifices daily. The previous verse says why. He is holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. I tell you, Jesus is there at the right hand of God, perfectly qualified to be there, and he is there for us, his people, busy at work, ministering, serving us, interceding. The question is, are we serving him? More about that later. Number four, this is all that we're talking about here, this is more excellent than the Old Covenant. Everything we've studied up to this point leads to this conclusion. In Christ and the New Covenant, we have something far better, something God intended all along. When we speak of Christ, His life and death, His suffering, resurrection, ascension, and here in Hebrews, His present mediation for us at the throne of God, all this is comprehended in the New Covenant, which is, verse 6 says, more excellent than the Old Covenant. When you think of the Old Covenant in comparison to the New Covenant, your thoughts should always include this value, this truth, that what we have in the New Covenant of Jesus Christ is better. In fact, that word is used often in the book of Hebrews. Let's look at a few briefly. Hebrews 11.4, God provided something better for us. Hebrews 7.22, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Hebrews 7.19, better hope. Look at Hebrews 8.6, 6. 
Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. Here in Hebrews chapter 8, consider what we're told about Jesus Christ as our high priest and cherish that and respond to it. He serves in this office, the singular high priest who is eternal. At the right hand of God, he ministers there at work making intercession for us, and all of this is a more excellent way. Now, in what ways can we take this practical and make it personal? I have three things for us to consider. Anytime we navigate into this truth about Jesus Christ, what must occur to us first is the blessing of having our sins forgiven. God spoke this promise back when Jeremiah's prophecy was given. Look at verse 12, which is the end of the Jeremiah quote. God said about what he would provide through Christ I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Jesus offered himself so that God would forget our sins. And we accept that gift when we trust and obey Christ. Those priests who ministered under the old covenant could never give the people this fullness of forgiveness. So I'm saying our knowledge of this cannot slip away. And every time we read and study what the book of Hebrews says about Christ, our high priest, the offering of his life and his intercession for us, this is why we can be forgiven. In such abundant, merciful measure that God says, I will remember your sins no more. One writer said, this is from the commentary by David McClister, the final and crowning part of the description of the new covenant is the feature of the forgiveness of sins and is the essence of the better promises it contains. Number two, I think verse 11 really needs our concentration, knowing the Lord. It was said in that Jeremiah prophecy, and they shall all know me. I believe we all understand that we can know the truth. We can know if we are complying with the truth, and we are delighted that such knowledge has been made available to us. But beyond academic knowledge, because of Christ's sacrifice and his priestly function, we can know the Lord. That's relationship. To know the Lord is not just to know about him or know what he taught or to know his deity and current position in heaven. All of that, yes, but entering into a personal relationship with him where everything about him has consistent impact in everything about you. God said under the new covenant, they shall all know me. All who want this relationship are invited to leave sin, 
be forgiven, and live under the priestly access Jesus provides to God. Third, I want to stress the Hebrew writer says several times he's talking about the new covenant. Verse 13, he is speaking of a new covenant. Then he says the first is obsolete. How thankful we should be that we are new covenant people. Christians are new covenant people. It is a better covenant, the ultimate arrangement, in contrast to the temporary old covenant between God and the Jews. It means we can draw near to God through Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant, our high priest. Mark that phrase in verse 2, not man. Jesus serves us in heaven at the right hand of God in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. Jesus in heaven for us. Focus on that. Jesus in heaven for us, not dependent on any man or group of men. We who hold fast to the confession have access to God through Jesus Christ. No human intermediary or organization or system involved. The new covenant, the New Testament, is our guide and arrangement in forming, motivating, and creating gratitude. Now, I should take all of this about Jesus Christ as high priest, all of this in Hebrews about the superiority of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sin, his intercession for us, and make this mine. Apply it in my heart, my personal life, in my attitude, my actions, my reactions, in every way the New Testament teaches. Those functions of priest and animal sacrifices in the Old Testament were only copies and shadows of the reality of the Messiah and his new covenant that invites all people today to get out of sin and draw near to God to prepare for that final eternal rest with him in heaven. If there is any way we can help you understand this and encourage you, help you comply with this, study with you, pray for you, we are the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. Thank you for listening.